This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Hello, podcast listeners. Well, there is no doubt that words have power. Words create identity. Words can signify more than we realize. And the topic today we're going to have with this wonderful panel discussion is all about the nonprofit sector and the brand and literally the name nonprofit. If you've been following with me, you know that I've had a couple of good discussions about this. And in fact, this panel discussion we're bringing back together again, when we first had the panel discussion a couple of months ago, it was more about the topic of what are the biggest challenges facing the nonprofit sector and some of the biggest barriers and, and obstacles like staff retention and whatnot. In that conversation, we all talked about how we need to rebrand the nonprofit sector. And I said, you know what? This is a fantastic discussion. We need to have another opportunity at a separate time to bring you all back together and discuss this because it's a huge issue. And then if you've been listening to my podcast, I had uh, John and Becky from We Are For Good on, and we talked about that at that particular interview. And I, the reason I mentioned that is I think this is something that is really resonating with people across nonprofits in the US, number one, but across the world. But specifically in the US is our context, of course, where I'm at. And I think this idea of rebranding the nonprofit needs to happen. And so that is the focus of our attention in this discussion today. We've got the same crew back. It's a wonderful group of folks. And uh, I'm really glad you've tuned in today. So real quickly, we have Gail Smith, we have Joan Gary, Tony Marginetti, and Sarah Lomaline. They're here together again as a panel talking about what is the brand that we should start moving into when it comes to the nonprofit sector? And why should we rebrand the nonprofit sector to begin with? Like, what is the root of this issue of the name nonprofit that why do we need to change it? And then if we do change it, what do we change it to? What's a new name that we could kind of rebrand, if you will, this sector? Is it social impact sector? Is it social innovation sector? Is it the for good sector? So all that and more will be part of this wonderful discussion with these great leaders who are really making a difference. Thanks for tuning in today. I think you're going to enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome everybody. I am so excited to have this panel discussion back again. And for my listeners, you know, we had such a good time. And I know I got so many good comments from the last time we had this illustrious group together. In fact, we had to break it into two parts. But during that discussion, we talked about this issue of the branding of the nonprofit sector and the fact that maybe it's time for a rebrand. And so this prompted us to say, let's get back together. We had such a good time. And let's talk about another topic. And we're going to focus all of our time on this issue of the rebranding of the nonprofit sector. And so again, I, I want to start with this discussion. It's going to be one of those I think will be really fun to, to hear what each one of you have to say about this. But I thought maybe it's always good to find out where did we start? How did we get here, in other words? And so let's start with that. How do we get here with this nonprofit name and this sector that has a branding that maybe is more about what we don't do rather than what we do do? How do we get to this point where we are talking about what we're not rather than what we are, and why is this a problem? I'm going to have Joan Gary kick this off, and then the rest of you can chime in. So Joan, how did we get here? What's the history here? So I've actually created my own history on this. Okay, all right. And I think it is because the do-gooders are so busy doing the good work that we allowed it to happen to ourselves, you see. Okay. And that this powerful and incredibly vital sector in our society became known by its tax-exempt status. Hmm. And I actually believe that this is a metaphor for how we talk about the work that we do, how we market it, about who we are as leaders, that, <laughs> that we are so busy doing the work that we don't invest nearly enough time and energy and attention into marketing that work to others. And that has significant ramifications as each one of your other guests will attest, right? right. Uh, I just think it's 
fortunate that we didn't wind up becoming the 501c3s. <laughs> which actually sounds like be worse. some kind of a heavy metal band. Sounds like a good band. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yeah, Gil, what would you say to this one? How did we get here? Look, I think I think Joan's absolutely right. And I think it is because of the tax status, which is something we want to advertise because it means that you can give us money and take a tax benefit from that. But it also, I, I think, as we all agreed last time, it defines us by what we are not. And, you know, shorthand, you can look at it and say, it kind of sounds like a failed business. Right. But I think the other thing it doesn't capture is if you look at the profit-making sector, right, their measure of success is, are they making a profit? Now, there are plenty of businesses that are entrepreneurs that go into business to solve a problem. There's a, there's a good intent, but still, their effectiveness, their success is measured by its ability to yield a profit. Our sector, I, I think, measures more our ability to affect change or have some sort of positive impact on society, but that's not in our name. Right. And I think that's one of the things it, it puts us almost in a defensive, slightly apologetic. We're really sorry we're lesser being. <laughs> right. And we're uh -huh. not like the big guys. Yeah. Don't mind so us. We we'll just, really good we'll just sit in the corner over here and eat dirt. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, we know we're at the kids' table, but, and I think that's a real problem because I, I think, Joe's point, we're all very busy on it. This sector tends to attract people that, aren't those that would like knock over a grandmother to get in the photo. There's a certain, like, it's not about me. Right. But the problem is if we're defined in this, here's what you're not, here's the do-gooders, the sort of patronizing pat on the head, we don't assert what we are. And I think in doing that, we kind of leave on the table this notion that what we do is good as opposed to also including that what we do is right. Because if we are not changing the world in a positive direction, we're not just failing to be do-gooders. We're leaving the world in a position that is worse. So I think it kind of, it, it, I don't know, I feel like it contributes to an almost apologetic, you know, we're, we're not real somehow. Okay. Whether right, it's good. in the economy or in the, the overall landscape of how societies form and develop. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, you look like you're ready to chime in here. Yes, no, I I I I I am totally agree with Gail and Joan that it's such a tiny part of what we are, right? Yes, we're non for profit, but it's just a tiny part of what we do. That is it sounds weak. It sounds, you know, Okay, you know, don't mind them, as Joan said, like <laughs> here, you know. Uh, it almost sounds like we just need a few crumbs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And right. not the incredible power that we have, because literally what we are doing, what the sector is doing, is filling out all those gaps that governments and institutions are leaving open. Right. 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 Um, I mean, not to not to mention, actually, Sarah, the size of the size of and the impact of the sector on on the global economy. Yes. Right. Totally. Great totally. point. And again, I feel that how you started, Joan, thinking like we are too busy doing the good to we rarely like the spotlight. Yeah. And we we should embrace the spotlight a little bit more. Because there are so many, every time you, you talk to a nonprofit leader and you find the, the stories, the success stories of, you know, their staff, the clients that they're serving, their communities are incredible. Why are no, those stories are not on the front pages of different papers, right? Because it's more important to know the sales of X corporation than to know, you know, the impact that we're having in, in, in different communities. So. We definitely need to change that. Well, and I'll just add a quick point on that, Sarah, because I think when we are in the press, it's kind of feature stories about puppies. 
if you know what I mean. It's <laughs> right. Isn't, I mean, if we're, actually, point, if we're lucky. If, if we're, we're lucky, lucky. But I think if you think about our share of the economy, if you think about what our ROI is, even the coverage when it exists is like, here's a really thoughtful, meaningful aberration. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to here's something we should be investing in, not just donating yeah. to, but investing. In. I like that, Gail. That's so true. It's either the puppies, right? The the bless their hearts kind of story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, bless her, bless her hearts. Well, or it's, or it's, or it's a fraud or it's fraud. fraud story, which That's is it. which is very un, yeah. As, as I as I suspected, I, I I'm less concerned about the 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 moniker nonprofit than than the other. The other panelists, it's not ideal. I agree, but I think the likelihood of it changing seems minuscule. I I want to I want to agree that we do need to say more about the good work that we do, and I I just think that falls to each individual institution. Yeah, to to claim to uh, among its constituents, volunteers, employees donors, board, you know, the good work that is getting done, which means the impact as opposed to the outputs, the impact. How are things changing because of the work that we are doing? And again, I just think that falls to each each institution, each nonprofit to, uh, to, to be responsible, to tell those good stories to the folks who are invested or or might invest. Tony, can I make a point about that? I feel the problem with that is that the big, the big nonprofits, the big institutions will be the ones with the resources to do that, right? Mm. But so many grassroots community-based organizations, I mean, they have a couple of staff that have, you know, 20 different hats. They are not, and, and, and always, right? When there is less funding, the first thing that gets caught is marketing, is communications, is all these tools. So I do feel, and and, and maybe that's something that we can discuss here, how everybody at the sector can help each other as a sector, right? Because otherwise, I feel that, again, the stories, when they crossed outside of the usual, you know, the usual outlets of our sector that we're preaching to the choir are those, you know, either the poppy stories or the big, huge nonprofit. It's very rare that we have a the story of our small local nonprofit out there. The, there, is a, there is a problem. The, the media has difficulty, I think, covering the nonprofit sector. And that's why the Chronicle of Philanthropy, now that it's a nonprofit, soon to be acknowledged by the IRS, I'm sure, has a fellowship to, to bring journalists in from like ProPublica and from the Associated Press, the AP, to train. So that, that's, a, that's a worthwhile initiative. Because yeah. I agree that the, 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 the media community has trouble covering the nonprofit sector. They don't really understand, you know, it's more about social impact. Than uh, than other measures that they're that they're more acquainted with in covering other constituencies, um, but Sarah, in terms of the the relative sizes, I mean, there's there's always going to be, you know, twenty percent the, the largest twenty percent of non the largest twenty percent of nonprofits probably control eighty percent of the nonprofit capital, or or you know, if those aren't the exact numbers, something lopsided like that, and, and uh, I mean, this harkens back to a, a point that I made in. Our first discussion, which wasn't very popular, but I'll, yeah. I'll repeat it anyway, <laughs> the risk of being derided uh, by the panel, yeah. that you know, it's a matter it's a matter of operating like a business. There are enormously large businesses like Google and Facebook and Microsoft and try to think of something that's non-tech, Delta Airlines, and you know, there are always going to be those behemoths. But there's always always also a place in again on the for-profit side for small startups, you know, but but it's for the small nonprofits. I think it's a it's a matter of a business sense, you know, learning how to how to be scalable, you know, maybe not cutting marketing and fundraising at the first instance. That that I think is is 
often a mistake, but you know, leaning into the board, uh, expanding, expanding even within your local community. You know, every yeah, every every nonprofit is not going to scale to national national prominence, but no. but they uh, I think with more again uh, at the risk of being derided by the panel more business orientation not at the sacrifice of mission i'm not saying i'm not saying we alter the sector to be a for profit sector nobody's saying anything ridiculous like that but more of a business sense so that there is a sense of investment in marketing investment in technology mm. and you know and and yeah, but just the, the passion is essential, but it, it, it's necessary, but not sufficient. Okay. Or what do you think, Joan? You were going to about ready to say something. So I, I think a couple of things, and I actually don't disagree with you in, in many ways, Tony. I actually think that nonprofit, there's, there's so many different root causes for this. And I know that's a question that you right, have, Rob. Let's dive into that. Yeah. Uh, so you talk to many nonprofit leaders. The way I think about it is this, is that there are many nonprofit leaders that when they would submit a book report, they would not focus a whole lot of time on their cover. Hmm. That the book report would stand for itself and they would expect to get an A on their book report, right? And that there's something actually, and I was on a board of an organization that that, that could have been quite, quite, quite good at marketing, mm-hmm. but that there was a certain attitude about having to invest time in the book cover, if you will. So yeah. I think yeah. there's a certain, there's a certain bias against marketing. Okay. The, the second thing, I, the second thing I just wanted to say is that I think marketing is essential to, biz, to operating a nonprofit as a business in the way that you describe it, because I actually, but it also ties directly to my mission, because if I mm. actually do not have people if I don't have volunteers, if I don't have people who mobilize, if I don't have people who donate, if I don't have a pipeline of board members, I have no power. Yeah. Good point. Good right. Point. And and so for me, the 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 one of there's many root causes, but at least one of them is that we see marketing as something that, that falls into overhead when in fact it's a driver of programs. It's actually a program hmm. because you're building your army. Okay. Gail, you're going to yeah, chime in there. That's scaling. That, Look, that's I don't thinking, disagree. Thinking in terms of scale and growth, and mm-hmm. it's not going to happen overnight. It might not happen even in two years. But, but I it, think you have a trajectory for growth. I, I think, but I think we're talking about two different things. I, I think I think that nonprofits need to understand that marketing is one of your tools. It may be a program, Joan, as you suggest. Tony, there's no question that it's important and it's often discounted. I think what we're talking about here is the sector. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it's a real problem that the sector is defined as it is because it has no real meaningful definition mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. And, and I would also, I agree with much of what you said. I think the chances of this changing aren't in fact minuscule. Everybody I've talked to since we did that podcast mm-hmm. who's in this space was like, oh my God, can we do this tomorrow? I'm not sure it would be at all difficult to get the nonprofit community to start talking about itself in different language, to start using different language in its materials, and to start correcting people on podcasts when they say, so you want to run a nonprofit? No, actually, I run an X. So I I actually think that change is possible. And the reason I think maybe it's marketing, but but the reason it's really important at, at a big picture level, we are we are seen as a community to which you can donate. So it's like an elective. Like if you're feeling nice, if you're feeling good, we do not think about this sector as large as it is as something to invest in. We invest in entrepreneurs, we invest in businesses, we donate to nonprofits. Mm. I think we need, I look at a lot of nonprofits mm. that do spectacular work. We don't think about investing in them because our assumption is there are like they don't make any profit. So you don't invest in something that makes profit. We've we've got to make clearer what our return is. What do we leave on the table? That's number one. Number two, I think we're living in a time where if we don't start to see some radical social change, 
you know, we can do another podcast that is like, what are you going to do with the three days we have left on earth or something? I mean, like Mm. (laughs) the world is not going in the right direction. Okay. And this notion of change or filling gaps left behind by governments or institutions or people organizing into small civil society organizations or NGOs to have some agency over their lives that's vital and that's got to bleed in quite frankly much more into the sort of mainstream if you will mm, okay. rather than being this sort of cute really nice sector of do-gooders on the side i just i i think it's vitally important because it speaks to how we think about how we are organized as communities and countries are we organized into the for-profit and the non-profit right no, so, but I think it's a different point, Tony, than you're making. And I'm not disputing your point about individual, individual NGOs and marketing. I'm, I'm looking at where we place value. Yeah. And we undervalue mm-hmm. this sector because of the way it's understood. And it sounds like you I would say, Gail, the stakes are higher than ever. Is that what you say, Gail, that you feel like the stakes are I think going? The stakes yeah. are really, I, think it's a, I mean, I think we should do it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think that's allowing the the moniker nonprofit to to define us rather than it does us define de- us, us Tony. rather it than us defining us. our rather than us defining ourselves. Well, let, no, but Tony, let, I let think finish, I, I really disagree with you. Here. The, I think right, that when well, I talk to okay, a room full of but, 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 but please, okay, one at a time, Tony, um, go ahead, finish your thought. You know, the idea of of donating versus investing. I think I, I know I write a lot of copy for nonprofits because I do planned giving fundraising, consulting. Mm-hmm. And I use the word invest often. And I encourage clients to think I of constituents as investors. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want the moniker to, to, to be the, 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 the method through which we define ourselves just because it's, we have this unfortunate moniker. We, we can use language. And when I say we, I mean, individual nonprofits, can can use the language that they prefer when they're when they're talking to their constituents and exactly. let, and and the the moniker the moniker be damned you know it's it we we have a we have channels to talk to we, have, we have channels to talk to our constituents and we use the language that that is best for us and I would absolutely agree investing we're investing in the future we're totally. investing in our work yeah I, I feel I, that I, that's what exactly what we're doing about okay Sarah go ahead take the We'll give it to Sarah real quick. Sarah, your thoughts on this? No, I think I think that's exactly what we are doing here, right? It's yeah. like, yes, we should start with ourselves, yep. changing that language yeah. and yeah. change. And and I think, like you, Gail, I think the change is possible because if you think about it in other, you know, other ways of using language, mm-hmm. right? When we started, you know, talking about the black indigenous and people of color community like you know the the using of pronouns i feel that us the social sector the nonprofit sector sector are at the vanguard in many ways of using language in a more equitable and progressive way so we can do it we can do it as a sector and totally as you're saying tony it starts with each nonprofit talking to your constituents and also, you know, a, a lot of donor education, right? Like we were saying last time, like, how do you, I mean, I used to work for the Latino Community Foundation mm. and we always said like, change, not charity. We want change, not mm, charity. I like that. How do we That's change good. that? Because charity sounds like, okay, here, you know, here are three pesos for you. And <laughs> right. change is like, I, I want an investment. I don't want your change. I don't want your, I mean, your change in terms of like your little, sure, sure, yeah. you, you get <laughs> your investment. You get what you're saying. <laughs> okay. So let's dive into this. What what do we call ourselves then? You want to jo- jump in, Joan? What are your thoughts on this? Well, sure. I was kind of digging, I was kind of digging the 501c3s, but I, I didn't, <laughs> you're like I don't, the, I don't the see that getting a whole lot of traction. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Yeah. Well, the social it impact. Social impact. It's about social impact. Social I, I mean, impact I, I think work. that is. You know, we I have social impact it. investors now that we didn't have True. ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good name. Yeah, uh, again, I, I I don't think we should be defined by the name, but if we're going to change it, I'm not going to fight the hypothetical question. Yeah, yeah. social yeah. impact sector because okay. that's what you should be reporting again. Verse, 
contrasting outputs, which is okay, but mm -hmm. that may be more, that's more an internal number, I think, than internal metric, than your impact. What, what change have you seen? Right, not, right. Not how many backpacks did you produce, but right. how many kids graduated from yeah, high school well said. who got that's the right. backpacks versus the graduation rate pre your work. Yes. That's a, that's an impact. So that's right. Yeah. I like social impact investing and there's, and there's, you get investing in too. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Double. No, it's great. Okay. Other thoughts on, on naming. I, I do think the social impact it's out there. People use it already. A lot of corporations obviously have a social impact director maybe, or a social impact arm. So it does seem like that's in the, the kind of language we're using already. Any other thoughts about something that highlights what we do better than nonprofit? Well, I was actually just going to ask the group, actually, what are other, you know, what are our, besides, right? The, what does this, what does this sector, if you started with a blank sheet of paper, right? Yeah, right. Like what do, what are the key words that, that define what, you know, what, what this sector is all about? I mean, clearly change is one of them. What what else? What I mean, are there other words that come to other people's minds? Right. I mean, this is about change in society, making right. the world, you know, you know, sort of moving the world in a better direction. Like, what other words come to your minds? I'm curious. I kind of threw out that social innovation. I wonder if that resonates with you all. It's not just social change, but innovation. Really thinking that nonprofits ought to be on the cutting edge of innovation, of making you know change happen in their various communities. And I think that's a positive thing right now. People want innovation. They want that to be something that they invest in, going back to investing. But what do the rest of you think? Does that capture? What do you think our sector is all about? So I would just jump in and say that I don't think our sector does nearly nearly enough innovation. I don't think we deserve that word yet. Ah, okay. All right, that's fair. No, Gail? I think that's great. Because, like, you know, look... Non, the nonprofit sector is vast and diverse, and and some of it is gap filling. Some of it's quite innovative. I I mean, to me, the key the keyword is change. Okay. Social, obviously, is a is a helpful descriptor. I I think Tony's point on impact is a really good one because yeah. it's. It, it gives you the sense, both change and impact give you the sense that there is something that comes out of the work that this sector does. Right. Right. It's there, there's some return on it and it may not be dollar profit, but it is something else. What else? Yeah. Sarah, do you have something? Yeah. Or Joan, another thought? Yeah. One other thought. I mean, so I don't think you need to hire a PR firm here, right? I, I, <laughs> okay. So having, you know, having run an LGBT organization for a decade, just think about how language has changed over time mm. in the LGBT community, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, first we were heterosexuals and homosexuals, mm -hmm. and then and then gay and lesbian became the way you described the community. Mm -hmm. And now we have, you know, and now we have letters, mm -hmm. a growing number of them, I might add, <laughs> right? That will actually probably continue to grow to such a point that it will actually be very hard for many people to actually understand what this community is. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But that didn't happen because someone hired Edelman mm -hmm. to say, let's come up with a happy word like gay. It happened because activists within the LGBT yeah. community actually took this on and said, no, homosexual, it defines only a, a particular aspect of who we are as people. And, and they fought for a change. Mm -hmm. And then organizations, you know, sort of like the one I led, would then go to the media and say, here's a, here's a guide about how to cover gay issues. And, you know, in the late 1990s, it was, no, we don't want to be called homosexuals. Here's a guide to how to talk about gay issues in the media. Right. And you just, it, it becomes a process over time, mm -hmm. which you, you know, what you, so I, I guess it happens in, in some ways, Tony, what you were describing is it happens because the organizations sort of get mad as hell and can't take it anymore because they're being defined by something that does not, they do not choose to be defined by. Mm -hmm. And they do that and then they actually syndicate it mm. by advocating to press and other places. And it kind of gathers steam that way. Mm. I mean, that's at least my experience with right. the LGBT movement. Interesting. I like, I like any idea that embraces the movie network. 
So that's. <laughs> so as long as it's connected to that, you're good. I don't know if others yeah, caught movie, that. Movie her, quotes. Uh, you never go wrong with movie quotes. Her <laughs> reference to Madness Hell and Can't Take It Anymore is from the movie, movie Network. I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree with the possibilities. I just maybe I'm just being a little more. I don't know. I think I think realistic. Others might say pessimistic, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. most 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 realists are are often called pessimists. Yeah. Just realistic optimists, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the change the change can take place. And look, I'm I don't even like that the New York Times still hyphenates the word fundraising. Hmm. And that, that's like from the nineteen forties. Nineteen forties. I want to start a petition campaign to just or that, have right, fundraising or the, be one word. Mm-hmm. Possessive rather than plural. Yeah. Right. Well, or about, or, Good, or, or about how about the, the most recent, you know, my wife reads a real hard copy of the New York Times every morning. And above the fold, the last story on nonprofits in the last two weeks, above the fold was about the CEO of the National Association of Realtors out on his ass for sexual harassment. Right. Oh, wow. That's what there, that's, that could, that's what the New York Times chooses uh, to go right. above that's the just fold. A member, that's just a professional association. Doesn't really my God. Yeah. sadly doesn't even define the, the vast majority of nonprofits. It's, right. a, it's a professional membership. No, but, that's, but it, it does it does for those readers because that goes they to call, the, yeah. it does for the readers. It. I know you, you know, know what, but what what do readers know? Right. No, Sarah, no, you're journalism, another, journalism has trouble covering us the third sector. Look, in the UK we're called the third sector. That's right. You're uh, right. In the UK, exactly. Well, that's that says even less, We're, right? If you can't be number one, then you don't want to say you don't want to be, be third. <laughs> First sector is good. Any right. sector below that, hello <laughs> from the last sector. So, and let's exactly. talk about undescriptive. <laughs> Sarah, I feel like I interrupted you. Yeah, Sarah's going to say something. Jump in, Sarah. What do you think on this? No, 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 no. I, 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 I just wanted to add that. For example, you know, one of you mentioned fundraising, right? Like, yeah, the hyphen, which is from you know. I don't right know now. how many years ago. And right now, right, there is this new trend of it's not fundraising, it's resource mobilizing, right? Yes. So it's like how you start tweaking and understanding different ways of doing the same activity, but, you know, through a different lens, right? Yeah. So I do feel, I, maybe I'm, I'm an optimist, but I do feel that, you know, just in the, in the last, 10 years language in our sector has changed mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. and continues to evolve right so i i do think it's it's possible yeah and okay so we talked around this yeah go ahead gail you have one more thought on that i was just gonna add i think one of the other pieces to this i mean tony you said you know you don't want the moniker the name just to be the thing that that drives i think you're right and i Fine. think the question is what goes what has to accompany reframing or rebranding this sector yeah because to me for example it is i went to a big conference just as the pandemic ended even though we're in a surge now and i had recently been at the state department leading that effort and then back at a nonprofit. it's on a panel and there was it's a huge very well-known annual conference with a lot of powerful people okay and there were two panels on the pandemic and what it means for the world. And one was CEOs, big, huge, big names, you'd know, very powerful people. And the other panel was entirely nonprofit. Mm, okay. And it, it was very much like the grown-ups table and the kids table. Mm. And I went back to the organizers and they said, that was great. We hope you come back next year. And I said, no, I'm actually not coming back next year unless you mix this up a little bit, because what you're telling attendees is that if you want to listen to the really powerful people, kind of the authorities, you go to this panel. And if you want to listen to the do-gooders, you go to this panel. And respectfully, the CEOs they talked about knew a lot about the impact on its business, but they didn't know a whole lot about pandemics or anything else. And I think it's, you know, it's like the thing that's been done with panels and mantles and people refusing to do panels unless they're more diverse. There, I think there are things like that where if we want to be taken more seriously, mm-hmm. we've also got to be a bit more assertive. I don't mean aggressive. I mean, assertive mm-hmm. 
and and kind of presume that we're not at the kids table but we're at the grown-ups table right and i i so so anyway i think something accompanies the change in language okay that's a great segue. I was going to ask that question of how do we move this conversation along? What's the process of changing? Sarah, what else would you say picking off of what Gail said? Yeah, no, completely. And even, you know, even within our sector, right? I, we're putting together a collaborative summit in uh, next month in San Francisco, and it's a global summit. But, you know, of course, global summit, but, you know, 80% of the people are from the US, right? So how do we make sure, you know, to to highlight those voices from the global south, so it doesn't, you know, they no one feels that is the kitchen table, and mm-hmm. you know, it takes a lot of thoughtfulness and yep. and asking people, and and as as Gail said, like you know, we the way we are being proactive about that is literally co-designing the whole content with the attendees mm-hmm. because Sarah, otherwise. Go- yeah. Can I ask a challenging yeah, question? Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. Why why didn't you choose to host it in the global south? Somewhere in South America, Argentina, Brazil, Chile. It, instead it was of, instead a time the, con, it was a time constraint. Unfortunately, it was we didn't have the time to do it like that. It's the very first time that something like this is happening. So, but definitely for next year, we are going to be doing it outside of the US. But yeah, I, to, I to, to answer your question. Yeah, I went to a conference uh, a few times. It was deliberately hosted in in a small town in Mexico. Not hmm. was it Mexico City or okay. Cancun yeah. or it was uh, I can't even remember the name of the town. But you had to connect to get to to the you had to connect through one of the big cities to get to mm. their okay. little, to their little airport. And I feel bad that I can't remember the name of the town. But you know the 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 the, the so what's the what's the what's the bigger lesson from that that each of us individually, and I, I think this goes back to what I was saying, you know, we each have make a series of decisions. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about marketing decisions and language and promotion decisions around, around how we message, but, you know, where you host, where you, if you're new to the nonprofit sector, where do you organize? Where right. do you incorporate? Yep. If, if you have the wherewithal to expand, yep. which I know a lot of organizations don't, but if you do, where do you put your second office? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe mm-hmm. it's still in, in your state, but maybe it's in a underserved town in your state where your work can be done, which makes it a little more challenging for you, but you're making a bold statement. So, yeah. you know, we all make these individual decisions that over time can affect change. Okay. And I think, and then... Parallel with that, what what Gail was recommending that you know we all speak up yeah. and we have the opportunity. So if you're yeah. talking to a conference like you were, Gail, you know you make your you make your dissatisfaction known. You're talking to a journalist, uh, yeah. you're talking to a, a congressional panel, a, a congressional committee, whatever. You know we over time we we can af- we can affect change. I just want to recognize that it takes yeah. a lot of time. Okay. I think that's yeah. right. I think yeah, another thing that might be interesting that I have found is a technique and a lot of things I've been involved in that are better about change is coming up with like five or 10 facts that would surprise people. Joan, I'm thinking about hmm. your reference to like the guide for the media. Yeah. And, and I think if you, I don't have them all on hand, but I think if you aggregated some of the data about what the nonprofit sector does or delivers even in a given sector yeah how many kids are able to go to school because of the nonprofit sector we years ago did something where we looked at how many americans there are and in what states that give money to nonprofits Hmm. and it's a huge number i mean how many supporters are there of the nonprofit sector you can look at the percentage, you know, what's the gender balance and yeah. like everywhere else, it's a bit of an imbalance. Although there's some really fascinating stuff in terms of small nonprofits and gender, but it, but the right. point would be, what are five points that if you're talking to a journalist or you're on a panel or you're sitting in front of a bunch of potential 
donors or investors. What are some points that can be made that would convey to people, A, this sector is much bigger than I ever anticipated. B, it has much more public public support than I ever knew. Right. And three, the tangibles of what it delivers are on par. I mean, if you look at, at I, I ran the U.S. Government Development Agency. If you look at what that agent, USAID, puts on the table, but you look at what nonprofits in the humanitarian and global development space, mm-hmm. space put on the table, in the aggregate, this sector is a big player. It's as, it's as big as a government in many cases, if you aggregate yeah. it. So right. I wonder whether there couldn't be a way to just have some of those factoids at hand that I, I always call them nuggets that yeah. cause people to say, oh, wait, yeah. maybe I should listen a little harder to what you're saying. Right. I am, well, aren't we one tenth of the the GDP of the of the nation? Yeah. And I've been told yeah. that yes, one tenth, oh, yeah. correct, the, the, around the, sixteen or seventeen trillion. So right. we're one point I mean, six to one point seven trillion dollar sector. That's huge. Oh, there's there's a there's a there's a case statement of facts that are undeniable in terms of the the vitality and the power and the way in which the sector drives our economy that you just can't deny. I right. mean, I think. Yeah. Part of what you're talking about here, Gail, is is makes me reminds me of how often we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Right. So here we are on a nonprofit podcast, yep. and who is listening? Yeah. Right. Nonprofit. I, I mean, I have a podcast as well. Tony has a podcast. Yep. Right. Who listens to our podcasts? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, I'm on a. I'm actually currently on a full court press to 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 find my way onto podcasts that are not in the sector. Like to that. talk about the sector as the antidote for what people are really looking for in this world, yeah. which is meaning and purpose. Right. Right. And <laughs> like here we are, you know, all nonprofit organizations for the most part have a serious scarcity mindset and yet actually have the thing most people actually really, That's really want and need in their lives. Yeah, and yeah. Goes, okay, and I applaud what you're doing, Joan, reaching outside the sector. Absolutely, but but inherent in what you're saying is the 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 responsibility of each nonprofit totally to, to tell its story, tell its impact. And I I don't care if your mailing list is 750 people. Hmm. You tell your story to those 750. Sure. You reach out to them as best you can. And to your point, Gail. If you only have two staff members, you're constrained about how you can reach out. But who can you leverage? Can you leverage yeah. your board? Can you leverage right. another? Vo- can you bring in a volunteer? If you bring in one part-time volunteer, maybe you go from two staff members to two and a quarter staff members. Mm-hmm. You've just increased by by one quarter of two, a half. Absolutely, or, uh, I totally by, agree. By twenty-five percent or something like that. So, I, I applaud what you're doing. That's a very good idea, Joan. Going outside the sector Love and it. speaking up about the sector that. Con- exactly in line with what we were saying earlier, but yeah. but we have a responsibility to help the institutions within our sector to help themselves as well. well maybe and, it's a both yeah, and. No, I and thought of, I, go ahead. I, gotta, I, I have to. I have to tell the the pro the epilogue that little allegory that I just told about the conference that went to. That oh was yeah, deliberately yeah. in a very small town in sure. Mexico. We had a you had to do a twenty minute connecting flight from the nearest major airport to get to it. Right. They compromised. Mm. They they gave in to the to the U.S. interests because too many Americans were complaining that they couldn't get direct flights huh. because they had to make this connection to this conference. And the conference caved in. They sacrificed really? what they stood for, and they oh. started hosting in Cancun, oh, where lots of Americans can. And this was a global conference, by the way. Where lots of Americans can get direct flights to Cancun, but they couldn't get them to this other small town that I can't remember the name of. And yeah. that's when I stopped. And th- this is a parenthetical. It's not a, a, a testimony to me. Sure, that's sure. when I stopped going to the conference when they collapsed on what they said they believed in mm. and started hosting in Cancun so that the rich American interests didn't have to change planes in Mexico City. The point is don't sacrifice. That's a tragic epilogue Boy. to that organization and that conference that they that they caved in. Yep. So don't give in on what is in your mission and your values and just, you know what you believe in. 
Yep. Hey, that's a great yeah. segue. We only have a few minutes left. What I'd love to have you each share is you we're getting to this, but for my listeners that are mostly nonprofit leaders, that, that far as I can tell, but what can they all do collectively? Each one of you have a very large platform, but each one of them have very important platforms. As you said, Tony, whatever, if it's 750, it's 25. If it's 7,000, they have a platform too. What advice would you give to them that are listening to say, hey, this is going to take all of us to, to really make this a new rebrand, if you will. What advice advice would you pass on to my listeners? Again, maybe Sarah, you could start in and each one of you have an opportunity to speak to this. The first one is don't beg. Don't make yourself little. Be assertive, right? Like don't, don't be asking for, you know, little crumbs. Like I feel that each of us in our own, you know, uh, constituency can talk about the impact and the importance of our work. Yep. And the more we educate our, you know, donors, supporters, investors, volunteers, staff, and people in the community, the better will be known and the better will be, you know, recognized. And as Gail said, right, if you have an, an opportunity to talk to a journalist, even in your tiny local paper, be sure that you are not making yourself small. Oh, I like that. That's good. Good, good. Gail, what would you add to this advice you'd pass I, I on? I really like that. Yeah, it's like totally own it and tell the story about the change that you make. I, I really like, Joan, what you just said is that the kind of work that most nonprofits do is about meaning and purpose, right? It's mission-driven. There's a, there's, and that's a tangible to people if you can explain it, the other two other things I'd say is use different language. Talk about yourself as a social change organization or social impact or something other than non-profit. If that if that comes up, give people examples that always like tell them a story or give them an example. And I think Sarah, I love what you said about don't let yourself be small. Don't apologize, right? <laughs> Lean in and talk like you're at the adults table because you're supposed to be at the adults table. Yeah. Right. This isn't an elective on the sideline. This is a necessary vital part of what needs to happen in our country or community for all. Love it. Good. Okay. Joan, what do you think? Uh, I guess I have a couple of things. First, invest time and energy in developing a culture of storytelling in your organization. Yeah. Nonprofit leaders are actually historically not actually very good at it. Mm. We do storytelling workshops in our nonprofit mm. leadership lab for thousands of leaders in North America and around the world. Right. And we talk about that as being central to your ability to invite people to know more and do more for your organization. Right. The second thing is I would start to educate your board. Mm. That okay. and I would actually encourage you to turn them into storytellers and ambassadors, Mm. right? Just to Tony's point, you actually have to build this whole internal posse of ambassadors, Mm. right? And if you can't tell a good story, you certainly can't tell it to a journalist, right? Well said. I would also say that it's time for us to really start to educate funders that marketing is an essential component of the work a nonprofit does. You would, have, you would not have a for-profit business that didn't have a marketing department. I mean, I came out of strategic planning right. in the for-profit sector. Okay. We had a robust strategic planning department, not too many of those in the sector. <laughs> so really starting to think about marketing as an essential, an essential component of what the organization does. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say is, it is time to get out of the business of just thinking that if I send a press release someone will cover my organization. That it is time to actually build, nurture, and cultivate relationships with journalists who cover the, who cover your issue mm-hmm. and give them something they need, right? Give them, suggest a story to them that may or may not include you. You might want to be a spoke, you know, a pull quote in that story. Yeah. But actually you can get an intern to actually, create a media database of the folks who cover your particular sector. Mm -hmm. And you can actually begin to get to the point where those folks start to call you. Yeah. And 
Those are the kinds of things. And then when they call you, you actually can tell a good story. They might actually write about you. Nice. Oh, I like that. Amen, Joel. Love that. All right, Tony, maybe one last thought. What would you say? The advice you want to pass on to the listeners? Don't be humble. Hmm. Yeah. Don't don't talk to your constituents about any of your work, not just when you're appealing for volunteers or or fundraising. We talked about the the Sarah talks, Sarah was on my podcast talking about the five T's. Let's see if I got it. Time, treasure, talent, testimony. And ties, testimony and ties. Those are the two that a lot of people leave out. So when you're asking for the five T's that credited to Sarah, do it, do it with confidence, yeah. not, not with humility. Right. You, you're not a, you, you deserve, as we've all said, you deserve a seat at the adult table. You are at the adult table. Mm-hmm. Ask with confidence, whether you're, whichever the five T's you're asking for. Um, and uh, just to take Joan's advice one step further, you, you build those media relationships and I would I would go beyond journalists, podcasters, yes, web uh, bloggers, Blogger. maybe other social influence folks, maybe, sure. but you could leave those out. Uh, that could be a mixed bag. <laughs> you build those relationships now before you want to start telling your story, so that when something does arise in your sector, like Joan said, ideally the person calls you, but if not, you can remind them that this is your work because. Maybe your relationship is only six months old and they didn't know you, but you, it's just like building fundraising relationships. You build, you build relationships with, let's call them media outlets, and you can lump in there whatever you like, yep. whatever's appropriate for where you are. But you build those relationships now so that when you want to tell a story, the person already knows you. Just like when you want to invite someone to the gala, they already know you. You're not asking out of the blue, out of the cold. So yeah. be confident. Build relationships among all the constituents that can help you. No, well said. Can I add one yes, more one thing? last thought? You got it, Sarah. Well, you get the last okay. word. Did I say be humble? I meant don't be humble. Did I just say be humble? <laughs> no, you no, said you don't said be humble. Don't. Okay, I said don't be humble. <laughs> we got okay. it. Thank you. I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm sorry. Collaboration. Like, oh, good. Yes. Do not, like, you know, you're, do not think at other social impact organizations near you as competitors, but mm. collaborate with them. Yes. Like, you know, we're stronger together is not a cliche. Like, you know, share, share ideas, share contacts. Like, you know, if I know a journalist and can, and there is, you have a story, I'll give you the name, like open doors to each other yes. and you will have a stronger sector in your community. Yeah. Well, love it. Well, again, Sarah, Joan, Gail, Tony, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Love this discussion. Very lively. And again, my listeners, you've got a charge here. There's a lot of things that have been shared today, and it really does start with each one of us making a difference. But again, to my panelists, thanks for taking time. Thanks for all you do to really make this sector a much better sector. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks for taking time to be on the show. Thank you for having us, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.